sometimes our Lord just lays songs upon the heart of His children in a very deep and personal way. I'd like to ask if you would turn in your Bibles to the Epistle of Matthew, chapter 26. It seems like every day that goes by, more and more so such since the time the Lord called me out of darkness, since the Lord placed His love in my heart. Brother Mike Loveless and I were talking about this a little bit ago, and, and I've shared with you Gene and Judy's testimony. We're just waiting for the day the Lord take us home. Yeah. Just waiting for the day. And every day that goes by, it seems like my soul is troubled more and more. My soul is troubled as I go through my day. All around me I find that my flesh just doesn't cut it. No, it desires to walk not with my Lord. It desires to not trust Him as I should. It desires to not turn the cheek. I don't know if you folks struggle with these things. I, I don't know. I struggle a great deal with love thy neighbor as thyself. I've used a neighbor when I was living in Sacramento as an example. I, their, their dogs would just, they would let their dogs run everywhere. These weren't little dogs. These were big dogs. And it, they never went to the bathroom in their yard. They always went to the bathroom in all of our yard. Well, I just, I would get so angry about that. I know it's funny, but it's not. It's not. It's not. I, I was not. I, I found it difficult in the flesh to bend to the authority of my Lord. And that's what it is. If, if God didn't want those dogs to come over to my yard, they wouldn't have come. You see, we're talking about a sovereign Lord of everything, are we not? Yes. Isn't that what we're here to worship today? Yes. Isn't that who we're here to talk about? Yes. To put the world behind us for a few minutes? And consider Him. Consider Him who has loved us from the beginning of all things. He didn't love the world. Don't confuse me when I say He has loved us. He has loved His people, His elect, His chosen. His word is clear. I have a people who I have loved from before the world was. And none of us deserve that love. I struggle with loving my neighbor. My inner rebellion against the one, the ones God has put in rule over me. Now that could be a policeman, a congressman, a boss, the guy behind the counter at the store. 
Oh, I struggle every day more and more. In fact, it even seems that when I sleep, I wake up in the middle of the night wondering, why do I have such dreams? Why am I dreaming in such greediness? I find it most interesting that these troubles were not in me before the Lord called me. I was quite fine with who John was before God showed me who John is. These things I speak of, they trouble me. They didn't trouble me before, or at least not to the forefront of my thoughts. Now they plague me more and more as every day goes by. When I think of the sacrifice, the great sacrifice of my Creator, the Creator of everything that is, when I consider Him and what He has given me, the preciousness of His love, I am ashamed. I am ashamed of myself before Him. I find I cannot raise up from that crouched position in the corner crying out, Lord, have mercy upon me. I find it more and more each day I leave this place of worship and the old man just rears up its ugly head. Sitting in the pews at times or listening to a message on a recorded message, I find it difficult even when my Lord says, just sit with me for a little bit. Sit with me just for a few minutes. It's only a couple of hours on Sunday, maybe an hour for Sunday, Friday night. Sit with me. <laughs> Some of you get that, don't you? Yeah. Absolutely. Some of you get that. Yeah. Sitting with my Lord becomes too heavy yeah. for my flesh. Are you with me in Matthew chapter 26? I want to read a few verses beginning at verse 36. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. And he saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then he said, Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Tarry ye here and watch with me. What a difficult thing for God to ask of one. Tarry ye here for just a moment. And he went a little further, verse 39, and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Verse 40, And he cometh unto his disciples, and findeth them asleep. What? Peter? Oh, come on now. Peter's one of the toughest guys I've ever heard of. You know, he's a fisherman. He wasn't, he wasn't somebody working with in needles and growing, uh, you know, putting together tents and stuff. No, he was a fisherman out working in the salting sea and his fingers had to be calloused with, with very strong. 
He had to be a strong man to go out into the ocean and pull the boat with the oars. Pull in those nets full of fish. Peter? He couldn't stay awake for just a moment? <laughs> and he finds him asleep. And he saith unto Peter, What, could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptations. Into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Verse 42, And he went away again the second time and praying, prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again. What? Again? For their eyes were heavy. Verse 44, And he left them and went away again and prayed a third time, saying the same words. Then he cometh, then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Now I want you to catch this, folks. Read this with me. You don't have to read it aloud. Just read it with your heart. Sleep, says our Lord. Sleep. Sleep. Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. I bring this section of Scripture before you this morning in hopes to assure you that if you struggle with sin, and I truly pray you do, If you think everything's just honky-dory and going along just fine, I'm okay now, I've been saved, there's nothing else for me to do, I can go about and live my life the way I want to, then you're wrong. We don't get up from being that beggar, that beggar over the corner pounding on our chest saying, Lord, have mercy for me, and stand up where the, the Pharisee is and say, I'm sure glad I'm not like that anymore. I hope, I pray that your sin plagues you. But I also pray this. I pray that the Lord will give you some assurance today to know this, that you are not alone. You're not the only one. All of God's people are saved the same way. Believing in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You're not alone. This is why we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves. We are to come together to edify one another, to build each other up in the faith, to say to each other, I struggle with sin too. This is the point that God allows us to come to that we might look to Him, that, we, that He might turn us, O Lord, because He says in His Word, Turn us, O Lord, and we shall be turned. We sing the song, I am weak, but Thou art strong. Turn over to Psalms 51 if you would, please. Psalms 51. I am weak, but Thou art strong. Consider the strength of David, if you would, the son of Jesse. You all know the story, right? 
He went up against the giant of a man, but did you know that before he did that, he killed a bear and a lion with his bare hands? That little fair young man. And that's what he was. He wasn't a big strong brother like his brothers were. He was just a fair young man. And he went up against that trained killer of a giant. Not only was he trained in killing, he was strong enough to kill a lot of people at the same time, and he was bigger than anybody else around. Goliath. Consider the strength of David, the son of Jesse. He killed the lion and bear before that even. Yet in our Lord's great wisdom, David was allowed to fall in the flesh to a great sin. I want to bring you this morning a little bit of hope. If your sin is plaguing you, this position of sorrow down on our knees crying out for mercy is also a position to be quite joyful of. You say, what? How can that be joyful to be down on your knees crying out for mercy? Because I wasn't before. Yeah. I didn't need it. I didn't need God. John was just fine. And neither did you at one time of your life. I want to bring you a little bit of hope if you're plagued with your sin. There is this position of sorrow can also be seen as quite a joyful position. You see, God does not leave his loved ones with their faces in the dirt. When we see the majestic God as he is, sitting on his throne, holy. So holy that he can't even look upon the flesh that I stand in. I've got to get down. i got to get down where I belong. But God doesn't leave me there. He doesn't leave any of his children there. Because to see up, you've got to be put down first. He doesn't leave his loved ones with their faces in the dirt. You see, God is pleased to be merciful. It pleases him to be gracious to those for whom his son, Christ the Lord, shed his blood for. I love to be merciful, merciful and gracious to you, he says, but not because of you. Because of my son who died for you and shed his perfect blood in your stead. He shed his blood and all for whom God shed his blood for, all for whom the Lord Jesus laid down his life, they shall cry out for mercy and get this, they shall receive it. We are assured he says, my sheep hear my voice. We are assured that we will not be left in the dirt where we belong. We are assured that we'll be raised up to see the beauty and the wonder of God's grace in shining His love to His people. And we read that in Ephesians chapter 2-4. You don't need to turn there, I'll read it for you. But God who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us. Did you catch that? Because of His mercy, and because it's so rich, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, 
hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. And then he says this. And raised and hath raised us up. Raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for that sin that plagues me. It's not easy to be thankful for something that you hate so much. It's not easy to say, I'll take it. Whatever God gives me, I'll take it. But if He didn't give it to you, then you'd be left to yourself, wouldn't you? You see, folks, this is what Paul writes about when he says, I glory in my trials and tribulations. This is what he's talking about. If we were left to ourselves, if we didn't have that struggle with sin that we have in our life, then we wouldn't be one of His. And we would go through that door marked death and, do, and receive what we justly deserve, wouldn't we? You see how it can be joyous to see the sin that is in your flesh? Because that's when you see the glory of Christ in being your Savior. In Psalms 51.1 we read these words. It begins with, To the chief musician. David, the psalmist, is writing a hymn a praise, a psalm. He's writing it about when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. And most of you know this story. This one who was after God's own heart, this one who had been blessed of God over and over and over again. I don't know how to say this any differently, but I'm thankful God puts this in the Scriptures that I can see that you can't be perfect in the flesh, even those who are blessed of God. Amen. This could be me. David knew who he was blessed by, and yet he turned his back on God and had an affair with Bathsheba. Got her pregnant. And then to hide everything as though he thought he could. Yeah. He went and had her husband sent to the front lines to be killed so he could marry Bathsheba and call her his. It says next, Have mercy upon me, O God. After declaring where the hymn was written, we hear David's words, Have mercy upon upon me, O God. Now does that sound like the Pharisee standing there in the, in the temple or does that sound like that man over against the corner about pounding on his chest? Does that sound like this man who stands before you today? Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. Oh, Folks, if it's a love and a mercy according to His way, it's perfect. Yes. 
It's just like the blood that was shed on that cross. It's perfect. It, it didn't... It wasn't shed so that something could happen. It was shed so that something would be done. It is finished. All of the children of God, all of those for whose names were written in the book of life before the world began, every single one shall be saved. That's the blood of Christ on the cross. It did the job. There's no ifs. And there's no buts and there's no ands. It is done. Have mercy on me, O Lord, according to thy loving kindness, not according to something that I have done. Did you notice that? It wasn't according to something David had done. What is loving kindness of God? What is the loving kindness of God? This is it right here. He says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. That's the loving kindness of God. David goes on after that. And he says, According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Cover me in thy righteousness. Lord, take what is mine and wash it in the blood of your Son. Verse 2, wash me thoroughly, it says. He says, right, wash me thoroughly. Not just part, Lord. I need to be washed from head to foot. Isn't that what Peter said when he says, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. What did Christ do? He got down on his hands and knees, the creator of everything, got down on his hands and knees and washed the feet. Peter says, no, 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 no. You're not going to wash mine. He says, well, if I don't wash you, then you have nothing to do with me. Not just my feet, but from my top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Amen. Not just John the first time he heard the gospel preached, but John all the way till the day the Lord takes me out of this world. Wash me and wash me and wash me and wash me. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions. I know what I am before you, Lord. I know I deserve your wrath. And thank God that you've shown my substitute, the one who took your wrath upon himself for my transgressions. Verse 3, For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Did you notice that it said sin? Did you see that? Why didn't he say sins? Why did David not say all my sins, Lord? As children of God, we know, and if you're a child of God, you know this, it's not what you do, it's what you are. Amen. It's what I am. That's what sin, that's why it's only one singular, all of David is sin. That's why we have no confidence in our flesh. As Paul wrote, I have no confidence in this flesh because I know that in this flesh there is no good thing. 
I know that in my heart dwelleth the perfect, righteous Jesus Christ, but in the flesh, it body that wars with the spirit, wars with the heart, there is no good thing. I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Folks, confessing what we are before God is essential. Not with the lips, but with the heart. In 1 John 1 verse 9, we read these words, If we confess our sins, He is faithful to just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Back in our Psalms, there are texts in verse 50, uh, text, Psalms 51 verse 4, it says these words, Against thee, writes David, Against thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Now I want to quote from Robert Hawker. Robert Hawker is one of those writers that I just love the way he writes. He's very poetic in everything he writes. And I, I'm not. So allow me to quote from him if you would. He says, this is a striking expression. David looks upon the sin as directly leveled against God. Now he had injured Uriah, he had injured Bathsheba, injured in short everyone that had heard the story. How many people looked up to David? He was a king. How many people looked upon the king and said, Oh, I can't do what that guy tells me to do anymore. He injured so many more than what we just read about in Scripture. In the example that he had set, but the great sin was against God. You see, he had he had be had be not lost reverence for God. I must have left a word out of there. I apologize for that. He could not have injured men. David dwells therefore upon this fact that he sinned against God. He says, "Against thee, thee only." He says it as though he's repeating the words with a painful recollection. Lord, I have sinned against Thee, just Thee, Thee alone. Here was the sad, sad business. You see, reader, it is among the truest marks of genuine sorrow when we detect our sin against the sovereignty of God at every step. Continuing on now in verse 5 of Psalms 51, Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. In other words, he's saying, I consent that that is all I am. This body of flesh has nothing to stand before a thrice holy God. He goes on in verse 6, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part. Thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. David didn't have any broken bones before the Lord showed his sin to him, did he? No. He was perfectly happy with going right along with what was going on. Verse 9, he says, Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me, O Lord, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from Thy presence, 
And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And uphold me with thy free spirit. Now I want you to turn over to the 89th Psalm. We won't be much longer. You see, a troubled soul is also our joy. If it were not for our troubles, we would not see our deliverance from them. Folks, we would not see the mercy of God if we first do not see our need of it. Yes, I am sin, but my Lord has a word of hope for me, and that word is this, nevertheless. That's the title of my message today, and I hope you get this in your heart. Nevertheless, though that sin plagues you throughout the day of your life, though that sin bothers you, or whatever you want to call it, our Lord says these words, nevertheless. Look with me, if you would, in the 89th Psalm, beginning at verse 20. Our Lord says these words, I have found David my servant. With my holy oil have I anointed him. This is how come David is a man after God's own heart. The holy oil of God has been anointed on David and all of his people. Verse 21, With whom my hand shall be established, mine arm shall be strengthened in him. The enemy shall not exact upon him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. And I will beat down his foes before his face and plague them that hate him. But my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him. And in my name shall his horn be exalted. I will set his hand also in the sea and in the right hand in the rivers. He shall cry unto me, Thou art my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. When you've come to the point, when God has brought you to the point of realizing there's nothing you can do, I'm so bankrupt I can't even look up. We cry unto Him, Thou art my Father, my God, the rock of my salvation. Verse 27, Also I will make Him my firstborn higher than the kings of the earth. My mercy will I keep from him, for Him forevermore, and my covenant shall stand fast with Him. You know what that covenant is? That covenant is the old covenant made before the world was ever began. God the Father gave God the Son a people. A sinful people, but Christ made the covenant that I will save that people. He didn't say I might. He said I will. And He did. My mercy, verse 28, will I keep for Him forevermore, and my covenant shall stand fast with me Him. His seed also will I make to endure forever, and His throne as the days of heaven. If His children forsake my law and walk not in my judgments, if they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, then will I visit their transgressions with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. I take a moment again to quote Robert Hawker. He says this, he said, It is all along considered in the covenant engagements of Jehovah. 
that the seed of Christ will manifest frequent rebellions. I knew, saith Jehovah, speaking of Israel, that thou wouldest deal very treacherously and was called a transgressor from the womb. You can read that in Isaiah 48.8. And therefore in the covenant, writes Robert Hawker, God hath made provision for corrections, henceforth chastisements, afflictions, sicknesses, troubles, and the like. Thou wast a God, saith the psalmist, that forgavest them that thou took visions in their inventions. That's in Psalms 99.8. And then Robert Hawker says these words, he says, and the reason this is obvious, the purchase of salvation cost no less a price than the blood of his own son. So inestimable a blessing and so dearly bought, it is not to be trifled with. And then in verse 33, we read these words. Nevertheless, I hope God uses these words to bless your soul today. I pray that He's plaguing your soul with the sins of your flesh, that He might bless you with this word. Nevertheless, though trials and tribulations will be brought into our lives to bring us to Him, nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him. Does that bless you? Does that bless the poor sinner? Knowing that I continue to walk in this word, in the sin of this flesh, that my Lord, nevertheless, though I will wander from His statutes, nevertheless, though I will not follow His commandments, nevertheless, though I will transgress against my Lord, His rod will be with me. His loving kindness will still be there. He says in the last part of that verse, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. His faithfulness. Great is His faithfulness. Not ours. That blesses me a great deal because I'm about as unfaithful as anybody can be to my Lord. I've already shared with you what it happens when we walk out the door of this building. Sometimes sitting right here in the building the thoughts will come to my mind. Because I'm, I'm sin. Oh, precious Jesus. Oh, gracious God and Father in Christ. How wonderful are your words to this poor sinner. Our Lord tells us in Malachi 3.6, He says, For I am the Lord, I change not. That's good words to me. That tells me that He's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. Despite me. I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Every trouble, every trial, 
brings me closer to my Savior. He leads me on this winding path, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. My comfort is His rod, the rod of power, the one who sits at the right hand of God Almighty. The hand of all power is His rod, His staff, and He shall not fail. Close with me, if you would, in reading Psalms 34 or 89. 34 through 37. He says, My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David. His seed shall endure forever and his throne as the sun before me. It shall be established forever as the moon and as a faithful witness in heaven. Selah. Yeah, I know our sin puts us over in the corner pounding our chest for mercy. But he's merciful, isn't he? (laughs) If he didn't love you, you wouldn't see it. You wouldn't see the mercy that we have in our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus.